I have a cousin named Michael Shalel. Most people know him by his stage name, Brady White. But if you lived out in Hollywood and worked in the movie or television industry, you'd probably also know him as Santa to the Stars. That's because my cousin Michael plays Santa Claus for a living. He plays Santa Claus at the Christmas parties of famous celebrities every year. And believe me, he's very good at it because he looks like the real deal. He really looks like Santa Claus when he's in costume. And that's why he's in such demand. His beard, I would say, is the perfect Santa beard. Best I've ever seen. And it's all natural, so don't pull it. It's also, and this is true, insured by Lloyds of London. <laughs> That's how valuable it is to him. That's how important it is to what he does. I mentioned my cousin Michael today because of the religious conversion he had about eight years ago now. Thanks, he would say, to the intercession of Padre Pio, who is now known as Saint Pio. As most of us know, Padre Pio was an Italian Franciscan friar of the last century who had extraordinary spiritual gifts, like Saint John Vianney, the saint here in our sanctuary. Like Saint John Vianney, they say Padre Pio could read souls. In other words, if you went to confession to him, sometimes he could tell you your sins before you confess them. How would you like to go to confession to somebody like that? Thank God you have Father Ray. <laughs> Padre Pio also had what's called the stigmata, supernatural wounds on his body that corresponded to the wounds of Jesus on the cross. If you've ever seen pictures or videos of Padre Pio saying Mass, you will recall that his hands were always wrapped. And blood could be seen coming through those wrappings from his bleeding wounds. This is something Francis of Assisi experienced. A number of saints have over the years, including, perhaps, St. Paul the Apostle. In today's second reading from Galatians 6, Paul says this, From now on, let no one make troubles for me, for I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. Now that's certainly a reference to the many sufferings that St. Paul endured during his ministry, during his time as an apostle and evangelist. But some scholars believe that that is also a reference to the fact that Paul received the stigmata, the gift of the stigmata, toward the end of his earthly life. For I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. My cousin Michael Shalel now spends about seven months of the year in San Giovanni Rotondo. That's the town where St. Pio lived for so many years. Michael first went there in 2002. He had been hearing a lot in the news about Padre Pio's upcoming canonization, which took place in June of that year. And he was curious. You know, sometimes God uses our curiosity to bring us to him. And he did so here. Michael was curious to see where Pio had lived, where Pio had worked. And he also felt like something or someone was drawing him to the place. Looking back on it now, he believes that that someone was St. Pio himself. 
And it was that first visit to San Giovanni Rotondo that led to this deep transformation in Michael's life. During his annual seven months in San Giovanni Rotondo, Michael pretty much lives with the friars. He's not an official friar, but he's there with them an awful lot. And he helps them especially with the English-speaking pilgrims who come to the monastery every year. And so if you're planning a trip there in the near future, I'm serious about this, let me know. I'll send a message to my cousin Michael. He'll be happy, I'm sure, to give you a grand tour of the place, although he'll probably do it out of his Santa Claus uniform. Unless you go at the right time of the year, just before he comes back here to go to his parties. A few months ago, Michael sent me a brief paper that he wrote about his conversion experience. And at one point in that paper, he said this. I could not understand why Padre Pio wanted me, because I was a sinner. I lived in Hollywood and New York. I lived in what one would call the fast lane, keeping company with Hollywood celebrities and the world's social elite, flying in private jets, riding in limousines, staying in four-star hotels. My life was surrounded by glitz and glamour. I lived in a very material world, and I thought I was happy there. Do not get me wrong, I always believed in God, the saints, and the Catholic Church. I prayed, attended Mass weekly, and went to confession. But something was missing. When I came to know Padre Pio, I came to know real faith and the meaning of love. Love for our brothers and sisters learning that all of us are put here to serve and love one another. Through Padre Pio, I found true happiness and joy in my life. Michael said there, I could not understand why Padre Pio wanted me because I was a sinner. Well, join the club, Michael. We all are whether we want to admit it or not. And remember, Jesus said, I came to call not the self-righteous, but sinners, people who are willing to admit that they need to be saved, that they are sinners. Jesus did not say that everyone would be saved. I wish he had, but he didn't. However, he did say that everyone could be saved, including Cousin Michael including the worst sinner who has ever walked on planet Earth. That's a message that's at the core, the heart of the gospel. And that's a message, my brothers and sisters, that God expects us to share with others whenever we have the opportunity, not just during this year of evangelization, but every year. Why are Catholics so shy about sharing their faith? Do you know how many people are out there looking for hope? Do you know how many people are out there living in despair right now? We have the ultimate message of hope in our faith. Yet so many of us never say a word about Christ. That needs to change. In today's Gospel reading, we were told that Jesus sent out 72 other disciples at one point during his ministry. 72 in addition to his 12 apostles. And he sent them specifically into all the towns that he intended to visit in the near future to prepare the people in those towns for his visitation. You could say that, in a certain sense, the role of these 72 who went out in pairs 
was to lay the groundwork for conversions to Jesus. Conversions that Jesus himself would bring about when he finally arrived in their communities. And that's very often what God wants us to do in this life. He wants us to lay the groundwork, the foundation, for conversions. You see, not everybody we share Christ with is going to come to, a, to faith immediately. They're not going to say amen to everything we say to them. I'm sure you've found that out if you have tried to share your faith with anyone. Sometimes all that we can do, and all that God expects us to do, is to plant some seeds and lay the foundation for a conversion that will come later on. Sometimes much later on. Case in point, my cousin Michael. I know he credits St. Pio with leading him to a deeper relationship with Jesus, and indeed that's true. However, there were at least two good people, two good women in his past, who had helped to prepare him for his encounter with the Lord and St. Pio. One of those women was his mother, Aunt Margaret. The other was my mother. Michael Chalel revered his mother Margaret, even when he was living like a pagan, even in his worldly days. And his mother was extremely religious. She was a very devout Catholic. She was a great woman of faith. My mom's influence on him was not as constant, but it was every bit as real. I'm convinced of that. And one little anecdote will serve to make the point. This happened when I was about nine or ten years old. As I recall, my mom and I were home alone at our house in Barrington when all of a sudden two guys riding very loud motorcycles pulled into the driveway. To give you an idea what they looked like, in all honesty, they looked like an advertisement for Hell's Angels. The whole get-up. One of them was my cousin Michael. The other was a friend of his. They just happened to drop by for a visit. Now, I remember this incident pretty well. Quite frankly, because I was scared. <laughs> Who were these dudes? I knew Michael, but he looked scary. Honestly, he really did. He's a big guy. On his website now, he lists himself at 6'2", 265. He was a big guy back then. I was a little guy at the time. Now, my mom, true to form, was not intimidated. She welcomed them, thought it was great they had come by, sat them down at the dining room table, and they all began to talk. Well, eventually, the conversation turned to my mother's favorite subject, Jesus Christ. And the three of them talked about the Lord for a couple of hours. These guys were engrossed. They were listening. They were asking questions. Here again, people were, are, who were looking for hope. These guys were looking for hope in their lives. And I remember thinking to myself, even back then, this is really weird. Here are these two scary-looking biker dudes mesmerized by this lady. This older lady talking to them about, of all things, Jesus Christ. A lady who their friends would probably call really square. Remember that term from the 60s? Well, this was the late 60s I'm talking about. Now, Michael did not change his life after that conversion. That change would not happen for more than 30 years. But I am convinced that my mother planted some seeds in him that day. 
as his mother Margaret planted seeds in him on an almost daily basis through her words and through her prayers. Then, with the help of St. Pio and his intercession, those seeds finally began to grow and to blossom in 2002. And that process continues to this very day. When Jesus sent the 72 disciples out in pairs 2,000 years ago, he literally sent them out, we were told, two by two. Sometimes he does it that way today. But very often, my brothers and sisters, the people doing the evangelizing in the modern world are separated by time and space, as was the case with my mother and Aunt Margaret. I don't think they ever talked to Michael about the Lord at the same time. If they did, it only happened on a few rare occasions at family funerals and the like. Most of the time, they evangelized him individually. Each of them did what they could for Michael, separately. But their combined efforts made a big difference. Their combined efforts resulted in a genuine religious conversion for someone they deeply loved. God expects us to do the same thing for the people in our lives. Today, let's ask the Lord for the grace to fulfill our mission for others as effectively as Mom and Aunt Margaret fulfilled theirs for my cousin Michael, Santa to the stars.